Sing it out. This is our destiny. The battle's already won. Make it loud. We're giving everything. By the cross, we have overcome. Hello, and welcome back to the Home Bible Study Podcast. So, here we are enjoying the letter to the Hebrews. And particularly, we're studying chapter 11, and we've made it as far as verse 13. So I'm going to do a little short review, and then we'll get right into the study here. So um, last time, we looked at just the first five words in this particular um, verse. Uh, These all died in faith. And we examined the fact of death. Uh, its cause and the effect that death has on the philosophy of mankind. We also contrasted the perspective of the lost, the hopeless sinner, with that of those who are saved, um, who also die. But, big contrast, they die in faith. So the contrast to me, is like that of night and day, light and darkness. And it's interesting because we're going to see a little bit more about light and darkness and how that is such a simple but powerful allegory for the difference between those who have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus and those who have not. So now we're going to continue to dive deeper into a into what it is that is described here as a true life of faith. And hopefully we're going to see um, some more interesting truths and characteristics of what this walk of faith is. You know, it's really important for us to understand that as we grow and we live this life that the Lord Jesus has placed before us, because each one of us has objectives that we must achieve and the bible says thankfully that he's going to achieve these things in us but you know it's something some parts of it we do together some things are completely of god other parts he gives us kind of a responsibility in so that we can participate and experience him in a way that we couldn't otherwise That's why we're not just immediately taken away after we're saved to go to be in heaven. Because there is something that we can experience here on earth in this life that will connect us to the Lord Jesus in a way that we couldn't be connected to him without experiencing it. So we need to go through this life, but to be able to be successful, to be able to get the most joy um, out of this life that we're living, we must live it by faith. And it's not a foregone conclusion that we will live it by faith because we have in us two natures. We have our old nature and we have the new nature in God, the Holy Spirit. And we need that interplay. We need that contrast to be able to fully come to a knowledge of who the Lord Jesus is and who he is to us. So that's the mystery of this life. 
Um, that's the mystery um, of being in Christ. But what we do know is that integral to success, integral to coming to that full maturity and understanding of um, who the Lord Jesus is to us and who we are to him is a life of faith. So he has laid this out for each one of us very specifically for me, for you, for everybody who is a believer to come to that uh, understanding and that place. And this is how we do it, by walking in faith. So it's very important for us to understand what that is so that we can embrace it and walk in it. So that's kind of where we are. So we talked about last time how that, or I alluded to how that a lot of times in scripture, there's um, kind of this negative point that's made. And by using, starting with the negative, it really gives us an impact as to what that truth is as far as its scope, its value. Uh, we, we are just by nature able to understand the negative more than we are the positive. You know, when something is hard and we have to really work for it, there's an appreciation for what that is and achieving that. When something comes really easy to us, we don't necessarily appreciate it. That's kind of a simplified example. So we're going to start off with the negative. And the negative we saw in the last time, when we're talking about these heroes of faith, these people who walked by faith, lived by faith, and are examples to us, we saw that they all died, right? That's the negative. They died. And they died. But in contrast to just a normal death, they died in faith. And we're talking about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, all the ones that have been listed. And we looked at last time how that dying in faith was such a big difference from dying without faith. And uh, hopefully we were able to um, get something out of that. But now we're going to see the next part of this verse. It says, these all died in faith. And it says, continue with the negative, not having received the promises. So they died. They were given these promises. All of them were giving promise, given promises to some degree. But they died without receiving all of these promises. So first of all, I want to look at... Um, kind of who we're talking about. We're talking about uh, the people that have been listed here in the chapter so far. And it says that they died uh, in faith, not having received the promises. So I think a key word here is received. Like what does that word mean, received? They didn't receive these promises. So I looked that up and that word means to to take hold of something, to physically kind of take hold of something. Like if I was to hand you over the keys to my car, you take those keys, you receive those keys. They're in your possession now. But these people didn't receive these things. They were promised these things, but they didn't necessarily receive them. Um, and that's kind of the negative side of this. Uh, this life of faith is that, you know, we can be promised things and not actually receive them. That's kind of odd. And that makes us kind of odd to the world because why would you pursue something or be, you know, told you're going to, they're going to give you something, but you never receive it. Well, a simple analogy 
that I would give is uh, the carrot and the stick. You know, a lot of people live their lives. They go to work every day based on the carrot and the stick. You know, they put that carrot out there on a stick and they say, hey, if you just work hard enough, we're going to give you this carrot. And you never quite get that carrot, right? Some people get the carrot, but most people don't get the carrot. So it's really not that odd um, to be motivated by something that... Um, is before you that you may not receive. But this is odd in that these promises were never really seen. They didn't even have a carrot. They were just told that a carrot was going to be there. Remember, um, Abraham was said, told, hey, get up and leave your place where you are now in your family and go to a place that I'm going to show you. So there was never a carrot. So this makes this something very special, very different that they were told to act on a promise, never seeing that promise. So what, what was the promise, right? It says not having received the promises. So I think specifically we can look at the promises made to Abraham because when we talk about the promises to the nation Israel, that's kind of where we go. Uh, certainly Enoch, Abel, Abel had a promise. The promise was that a redeemer was going to come. Enoch was given that same promise that, hey, a redeemer is coming. Those people were looking for the salvation to come from that Messiah, that promised one who would end all sin and uh, permanently place uh, all believers in a right relationship with God. That's what they were looking for. But when Abraham came along, we got more of a illumination of what that promise was. We got added to those promise, that initial promise of a savior that he gave to um, Adam and Eve, that one was going to be born from her. Now he's added to that more promises that there's not only going to be a savior, but there's other things that are going to come as a result of um, what God has promised. So let's take a look at those promises to Abraham, because I think it's more of a complete view of the promises that even we are benefiting from. And the, certainly the people that this letter was written to, the Hebrews benefited from, uh, and they can look back and see. And uh, that's something that's really important. So what are these promises from God? Uh, in Genesis 12, verses two and three, I'm going to summarize the promises here. Uh, God, God said, and it's very important to see that these promises come from God. If they came from Abraham or from Joe or Jim or the president or the prime minister or the king or the queen, eh, you know, I don't know about those promises. But these promises are from God, the eternal God, the creator of the universe, who has the power uh, and ability and the character, the holiness of character to um, make these promises and make good on them. That's very important that we see that these are not just normal promises. The source of this information makes these promises uh, so significant and powerful. So Genesis um, chapter 12, verses two and three, there's a summary. God says, I will make of thee to Abraham, I will make of thee a great nation. Well, we have certainly seen that. That's happened. Uh, I will bless thee, right? And we know that from the account in Genesis that 
Abraham was blessed in a way that other people, kings and rulers of other nations, could see the blessing that was upon him. That's significant. Um, and he's, God also said, In thee shall all the, of the families of the earth be blessed. So here we see the blessings laid out. And then God repeats those blessings um, throughout uh, Abraham's life. And it's not because God has to repeat himself. God does that for our benefit. God does not need to repeat himself. God can say something one time. God actually doesn't have to say anything to us. Um, but he can say something one time forever and never say it again. And it's still going to be true. His word is eternal. The word that we're studying right now, it's eternal. So, but God for us, for our benefit. And if you can't see the grace and the, the condescension uh, in that, then you're not understanding or you're not seeing things because that's grace and condescension, condescension for him to be able to, to do that for our benefit. So again, in Genesis 13 and for Abraham's benefit, Genesis 13 verses 14 through 7, he makes the promise of the land. He says, I'm going to give you this land and for eternity, not just for now, not for later. I'm giving it to you for eternity. So that land will exist for eternity. That land is not going anywhere. It's eternal. Uh, and the new heaven and the new earth is created. That land will be there and it'll be theirs. That's how that works. Uh, Genesis 15, 4 through 6, we see the seed, the one that's going to come and be a blessing and bless um, all nations of the earth. Uh, even the Lord Jesus uh, would come from Abraham. And that's exactly what happened. Um, uh, but Abraham never saw that. He, he lived a life without knowing who Jesus was. Um, but he, he knew that this promise was made to him. Uh, and he believed God. That's what it says. He believed God. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. And that's all we have to do is trust God. Just believe him. And we're right. I'll say that again. All we have to do is trust God. Believe him. And we'll always do the right thing. It's that simple. It's when we stop believing, when we take our eyes off of him, that's when we start to mess up. That's when we start to sink. Right? Remember Peter? He took his eyes off the Lord and he started sinking. Very important for us to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus. Uh, Genesis 18, 18, we saw the blessing where he said, um, all of those who, you know, I'll make you a blessing and those who bless you, I will bless. And, you know, those who curse you, I'll curse. That's still true today. That's still true today. Never, ever wish any evil or bad on anyone, even when they treat you bad, when they do you wrong and they're going to do you wrong. Don't ever wish bad things on them. Don't do that because we are not in a place. God did not place us on this earth to wish evil on other people. He placed us on this earth and redeemed us to show forth his grace and mercy. We have to be. Uh, examples of that grace and mercy, not just in what he's done for us, but how that we treat other people in spite of the fact that they treat us bad. Don't, don't wish anything bad on them. Just commit them to the Lord. You know, say, Lord, you take care of that person and you minister to them 
what needs to be ministered so that they will know who you are, your power, and your grace. And let him do it. He's righteous, holy. He will do it correctly. You won't. So just remember that. I mean, you should pity these people. If they're treating you bad because you're a believer, you should pity them. Because at one time, you would have done the same thing. There was a time when before you knew the Lord, you would have done the exact same thing. And so your heart has to go out to them because you know what the consequences of their actions are. You know, the Lord said, touch not mine anointed ones. So if you know that's how he feels, your heart has to go out to those people. You have to, you have to really have compassion on them because it's so unfortunate. And there's no difference between you and them. The only difference is, is the Lord has placed his grace upon you. That's the only difference between you and them. So please, if, if you don't get anything else out of this study today, please have mercy and compassion. And if you don't feel that, ask the Lord to show you how to feel it. Make, ask him to create that in you. Because I'm telling you, it'll lead to wonderful blessings, not only in your life, but in theirs. Because they might be like Paul. You know, remember he was running around killing Christians left and right. But then the Lord saved him. And he loved, there's no one that you can look in the scripture and see a greater love for believers than, than Paul. I mean, he loved them. So think about that and, and keep that in mind. So we see the promises were um, restated here in these different verses. And these are the promises that are being spoken of. And yes, in a broad sense, every promise of God that's given to us should motivate us to live a walk, to live a life of faith, to walk in faith. Yes. But these specifically, I believe, are the promises that bind us together because ultimately we have this blessing of the seed. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that same blessing of faith um, that was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness, now we walk in that same faith and we, we gain righteousness the same way. Now it's only that we're being placed in Christ and we have a greater illumination and understanding of that and what it means. So, so now we're not studying the promises, but it's important for us to understand how faith worked in the lives of those who went before us and how it works in our lives today, you know, as believers. It's the same. You know, we must be clear on the promises and who made them. It's very important. That's how that we're basing our entire lives on these promises, uh, on all the promises of Christ and uh, what he's accomplished. So it's very important for us to understand that. All of the people listed in this chapter so far, none of them inherited this land. They never saw the Lord Jesus, you know, nor did they really fully understand when the Messiah would be coming to the world. They, they really didn't have a full understanding of that. But in spite of all those things, they still um, believed and they lived their lives in light of these promises. Uh, it says that they all died having not taken possession of these promises. 
uh, in spite of this, they all still lived that life and they died without enjoying uh, what we know now. Now we're going to see one of those little small words in the Bible that has so much power. It's like dynamite. It says um, in verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but... But it's such a huge contrast word when it's attached to these principles that are so powerful, eternal principles. It says, no, they, they died not receiving the promises, true. But, and this but is so important because it's the same thing. This but, this contrast is the life that we live. We need to embrace this contrast. We need to understand how this works. It says, but having seen them from afar off. Okay, it's very important to understand. They didn't receive these promises. They never took possession of them. But they were able to see the truth. They were able to see the evidence. They had evidence from afar off, from a distance. Knowing, yeah, we don't know how far away, you know, these promises are. But we know that they exist. We can see him. It says, having seen them afar off. So I think it's really important to understand uh, what they saw. They saw the truth of these promises from a distance. Now, only believers have this ability. I call it faith sight. You know, we have eyes to see in faith. Um, this is a power that separates us from the world we live in, Right. Faith makes us to be sojourners and strangers to the people of this world because it separates us from the world. Faith is that key that separates us. And we have to understand that. We've been given this spiritual illumination by the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit, indwelling us. Uh, I think a good explanation of this is in Matthew 6, 22 and 23, where the Lord said, the light of the body is the eye. So this is how we physically perceive light is through the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, that word means clear, the whole body shall be full of light. But in contrast, but if the eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. And if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So what the Lord is saying here is that we receive light or perceive and understand light through our eyes. There's through physically, but there's also a spiritual element to that for those who are saved. And that is that the light that is in us, the truth, uh, God, the Holy Spirit's ministry, the faith that we walk by that allows us to see these promises, right, afar off, that light illuminates our entire body. And it makes us full of light. And what is this light? It's God. <laughs> it's God. Because what he said, he says, I am the truth, the way, and the light. So he is light. And we have that light, not just any light, the light of God in us. And that light allows us to see and embrace these promises. But we saw in verse 23 of Matthew 6, the contrast of those who don't have that light. It says, but if the eye be evil, 
Meaning if this person is uh, unsaved, right? Uh, they don't have this light of God in them. The whole body shall be full of darkness. It's just, that's a, a principle that cannot be revoked. And it says, if therefore the light, meaning the light that they have, the illumination that they have, right? That is uh, in thee be darkness. Well, that means that's possible. That means there is an illumination or kind of a spiritual uh, influence that is darkness. And that unsaved people, that's what's in them. That's what Jesus said. He said, your father is Satan. The, you know, he's alive from the beginning. Um, unsaved people can only know darkness. So whatever spiritual uh, claims they have, they're darkness. And the Lord Jesus says, uh, how great is that darkness? Right? So that evil is very evil. And this darkness will result in them being cast in hell in the lake of fire. But it's important for us to see that we have this light of Christ. And that faith is the key. Faith is the key to that light. It's the evidence of that light is our walk of faith. So faith can see. Faith gives us the ability to see things that we would not be able to see otherwise. So faith can see what the lack of faith cannot see. And based on this fact of this faith sight, believers are able to make a reason-based conclusion. You know, a lot of people talk about, you know, I'm just going on blind faith. Well, that's not the faith that God gives us. Clearly, based on what the Word of God is saying here, there's no such thing as blind faith. Faith is based on something, right? God, the faith that God gives us is based on Him and His Word. It's not blind. It makes sense. It's reasonable, from the sense that we have evidence to base that faith on. It's not just based on a whim. It's based on solid evidence. And we're able to make conclusions based on that evidence. Abel made a conclusion. That's why, based on faith, that's why he offered a better sacrifice. Right? Noah made a conclusion based on the evidence that God gave him. He built an ark. These people didn't do this without a reason. They were given a reason and they trusted in the one who gave them that reason. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God. He gave them those reasons. So we too need to walk a life of faith based on understanding of his word and understanding of what his will and purpose is for our life. How can you know that? That's the question. How, how, how can I know that? You know that from studying his word, from keeping your eyes on him, from listening to what he has to say to you and following the guidance that he has specifically for you. He wants to give it to you. Just ask him. He'll tell you. He loves you. He's going to tell you what he wants you to do. The key is, is to believe and obey it. That's the key. All right. So, that's what faith is. That's the faith that God gives us. It's uh, faith that's based on a reasonable 
facts of his person, who he is, and we can make solid conclusions based on these facts. And it says here in verse 13, and these were persuaded, right? They were persuaded. So this word persuaded is really interesting. It means to be confident in your understanding, right? So blind faith is not confident in anything. You can't trust faith just because it's faith. Well, that's faith. I'm going to trust faith. I'm going to trust my faith. That doesn't make sense. The faith that comes from God is based on something. And it comes from being persuaded of something. To have a confident understanding of what? Of his word, of who he is, of his character, his person what he's done in the past, what he said he's going to do in the future, and what he's doing for you right now. And you can make reasonable decisions based on that in faith. That is a life of faith. So there is no blind faith. We have what I call faith sight. We have an illumination, in fact. Our eyes are full of light, the Lord Jesus says. Full of light. We can see beyond the spectrum of just a regular person. God has given us to be able to see a broader spectrum. We just have to embrace that, right? And how do we interpret this spectrum that we can see? How do we interpret these things that now have become real and true from his word? He describes all of these things in his word so that we can understand what it is we're seeing. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a wonderful thing? You have that. We have that. So next, you know, we see that we were persuaded. You know, we have a confident understanding. That's what faith does for us. And it says, and embraced. It says, um, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded and embraced them. Okay, so they, not only were they persuaded of something, but they, there was an action of faith that came from that understanding. They embraced these things. And that word means to take in your arms. Right? So here we see something very interesting, I think. We need to take a second to, to look at this. This is why the world thinks we're kind of nuts. Because they don't understand faith and how it works. They don't have this illumination and this sight. So when we tell them about faith, it makes no sense to them. And it says that the the natural man receiveth not the thing of the spirit because they're spiritual, spiritually discerned. So this is one of those things. And here we see this mystery of faith from their perspective. They couldn't understand this. It says um, that uh, these people, basically this verse is saying these people never took physical possession of these promises, but by faith they saw them and took possession of them. That's what it's saying. So there's a possession that we can take of things, even the things that are not before us, we already have through faith. Example of that. It says, I've been placed in Christ. Christ is seated in heaven. I am in him already. Therefore, my place in heaven is secure, even though I sit here uh, with you studying. That is the kind of paradox of being in Christ, that I am now in Christ with him. 
in heaven, right? Although I sit here right now. That's the paradox. So I know that this is true because I have embraced that truth. I've been persuaded that he's able to keep that which has been committed to him unto that day. So now I've embraced that fact and now I live my life in light of the fact that I am with him in heaven, that I have that. That's something that's mine. And I'm going to live my life in a way that reflects that. And for those who are perishing, foolishness. They can't understand that. But it's not for us to make anyone understand. God never said, hey, you go out and make people understand. He said, walk by faith. And that will minister to uh, whom he wants to minister to, what he wants to, to be ministered. So as believers, we live a life that testifies to our belief. It's very important. When we walk by faith, that testifies to our belief. We set our priorities on the things that are above, right? Very important. We, we set our priorities not on the things here below, but the things that are above. Does that mean that I don't pay my bills? Does that mean I don't go to work and try to do my best at work? No. No, I do those things because those things are right. That's what's expected. That's what I've, I agree. You know, you pay me a salary or a check and I'm going to perform this work. So, um, no, but the way that I carry out that work, the priorities that I place, that's going to be indicative of what I believe, right? Uh, I'm not going to take shorts. I'm going to do things because the Lord Jesus is watching me and he wants me to do things the right way. He wants me to, he has expectations of me and I know this because of faith. So that's, that's how a walk of faith is supposed to minister and have an effect upon the world we live in. We live lives um, that store up treasure, not in this life, but in the next life, because all this stuff is going to go away. I mean, even if uh, the world continues, the universe continues for a billion zillion years after I die, I won't continue. So all of the things that I uh, store up or have, you know, accomplished or got for myself, they're going to go away. They're going to be, they're going to go to someone else. You know, I can't, they're not eternal. My eternal treasure is in heaven. So we live by this high and holy standard that God has given us, his standards uh, as revealed in the word of God. The same God that this world rejects, we embrace through faith. That's the ministry. That's the picture we see with uh, Cain and Abel. Abel embraced by faith and offered a better sacrifice than Cain, right? Um, that's what God is telling us here. That's what the writer to the Hebrews is trying to get across, that we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by a faith sight. We see things as God has given us the ability to see through God the Holy Spirit, through his word. In 1 Peter, I think Peter summed this up really well. 
First Peter uh, 1 8 he says whom having not seen ye love talking about the Lord Jesus whom having not seen ye love in whom though now ye see him not yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable full of glory and to me that capsulizes a life of faith that we have evidence of the Lord Jesus in our life through God, the Holy Spirit. He said, you know, that's the purpose of God, the Holy Spirit living in us. And as we walk by faith, we feed that relationship, right? And we grow stronger and the bond between us and God grows stronger. God's bond cannot grow stronger for us. It's already stronger than we could even understand right now. But we through a walk of faith, grow closer to him. And we need to draw closer to him. It gives us such a great power and a great ministry. Anybody who you have read about or known who has a, a ministry that you, you look at and go, wow, that's just amazing. It's because of their love of the Lord Jesus. And because of that relationship and that love has grown and that bond has grown in the, the faith and the, that comes from that and the joy, the unspeakable joy full of glory that comes from that radiates through their life and their actions. And we have that same faith. We can do those same things. God can accomplish those same things in us. We just have to walk by faith. So it says next here, uh, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them. And the next part I think is really important. It says, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So here we see the evidence that a walk of faith has a ministry. It has a confession, a confession that goes beyond just what we say. Right? What we do is important. It has to match what we say. What we do gives power to what we say and what we don't do. And it says, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. So there is a confession. There is a ministry um, that we have. There's going to be an opportunity for you to give a reason for why you live the way you do. And when God opens up that door and tells you to share that, share it. You will always come up on top if you just share it. Believe me, it's going to, it's going to strengthen you. It'll draw you closer to him. And it's also going to draw others to him and witness and minister to others. And that's part of why we're here. So by these people's lives and actions, you know, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. And here the writer is being making a very um, a very nice transition to say, hey, this is the same faith that we have right now. Just like they were strangers, you're strangers. Just like Abraham sojourned in a strange place that, you know, that was promised to him, but he never received it. You're sojourning now on earth 
and you have a promise before you. Notice how that the writer is doing that. This is the power and ministry of a life of faith. This is, this is the benefit that we don't always see. But after our life is over, when we look back over our lives, everything that we've done, good and evil with the Lord Jesus, then we're going to see it. And I think we're going to need to see that to encourage us because we're probably going to see a lot more evil than we will see good. And we're going to need to see these things to encourage us um, as we stand there with the Lord Jesus watching our lives. Um, but if we walk by faith, there'll be a lot more good than there will be evil. I promise you that. In verse 14, it says, For they that say such things, meaning those who say things like this, who say that, hey, this is not my home. Uh, I don't prioritize uh, trying to get all I can out of this life because I have another life, an eternal life with the Lord Jesus. People who say those kinds of things declare plainly that they seek another country, that they seek a country. So we should declare plainly with our lives that we seek something better, that we seek something else. Our lives should speak to that. When they come to and say, you know, um, hey, why aren't you doing this or that? I mean, it's here right before you. You can just take it and just grab the gusto. And you say, no, I don't want that because I have something better. I have something better laid up for me in heaven. That's it. That's a powerful ministry. When the actions and the words go together, you have the dynamite. You have the power. And whether or not the people tell you that it affects them, it doesn't matter because God is going to cause for his word to come back um, because it never comes back void. So it'll, it will have its desired effect. And that's part of the reasons why we are to walk by faith. It's very important, very important to see that walking by faith is tied to our ministry here in this life. Very important to see that. Um, verse 15. And truly, if they... Who, who is they? <laughs> it says, truly, if they had been mindful of that country once they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. Who is they? Well, they are all these people walking by faith, who live, who live a life by faith. So not only them, but also those of us today who live a life by faith. We are, we are those who have a testimony and a witness, even by the way we live our lives. And it says, if, and the they here specifically, you know, Enoch, Noah, Jacob, Abraham, all the people that have been mentioned, those who have uh, given us an example, uh, it says, if they've been mindful of whence, uh, from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return, meaning they could have went back at any time. If they were so concerned about where they came from and they were like, nah, you know what? I know, God, you said you were going to give us all this stuff, but <laughs> I'm going back to where I came from because you know what? This is just not for me. If they wanted to do that, they certainly could have done that. They had the opportunity. That's what he's saying. If they were so concerned about where they came from, they could have went back. But we see that they didn't. They didn't go back. And the same thing is true for us, that we can always go backwards. 
we can regress. It's part of that old nature that's in us. And that's why we have these two natures. And we can regress. But faith won't allow us to stay in the place where God has called us out of. Just like Abraham. He couldn't stay in that place because God called him out. God has called us out of that place that we were in. Everybody was somewhere before they were saved. And you can remember your life then and now. And there should be a change. And there should be a desire to draw closer to the Lord Jesus and further away from where we came from. Right? That's if you've been called. If you don't notice a difference, if you can't see the difference, then you need to ask the Lord to show you that. Because it's very important for you to be able to see. And because we don't want to go back. If we can see the difference from where we are now and where we were, then we can understand the importance of not going back. The further you get away from that mess, the better it is for you. The better you see, you can see the, how much better your life has been made by faith and by the Lord Jesus and by his presence. So faith sight looks forward. Very important. This is basically what the writer is saying. Faith sight doesn't look back. It looks forward. Now, what else does faith sight does? It embraces the promises, right? That's key. We, not, we look forward and we embrace the promises that God has made for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith sight is driven by love, right? What motivates us to, to press on? to the high calling. Well, it's our love for the Lord. The, the, the more you walk in faith, the stronger that bond becomes, the more of his love you see, feel, and enjoy, and you can't get enough of it. You want more and more. And so that's what faith does for us. And so faith sight is driven and motivated by love. That's what Peter was telling us. So the love we have for the Lord Jesus Christ is driving us and leading us through faith. In verse 16, it says, uh, but now they desire a better country. So the they there are those who walk by faith. They desire a better, it says country, that's the word that they put in there. You see it's in italics, maybe in your version it's not. I'm going by the King James Version. I just say better. They desire better. Well, better what? Better everything, right? Because in Christ, everything is better. Everything is better. Your relationships are better. Your health is better. Your everything is better. Does that mean you're going to be perfectly healthy all the time? No. But even if you're unhealthy, it's better in Christ than if you're unhealthy without it. Because you have this faith, you have this connection, you have this bond, and everything is better in Christ. So what is this better that is being talked about in verse 16? Let's look. It says, but now they desire better. That is heavenly. So that's what this whole letter of Hebrews has been about. How we have better things in Christ. These Hebrews 
knew about the fathers, the, all the things that happened, the miracles, the angel ministry, everything that God had done for them and with them as a people. And now it was looking pretty dark because they've been cut off from all that. Now that they've received Christ, all their people were alienating them. They were like, get out of here. You're, you're, what you're doing is wrong. You're not worshiping God. This, you're following this way. When they really were worshiping God. And the letter of the Hebrews is to make them to see how that in spite of the situation and everything around them, they had better. And better was directly tied to heavenly things. Not the land, the seed, and the blessing that Abraham was promised. We have better promises because now they're heavenly promises. We don't have a land that we're going to be promised a thousand year reign on earth. We have direct access to heaven. We go directly to where God is. Okay, that's what he's saying. He's saying, but now they desire... Um, but now they desire a better that is heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. So we have direct access to God. We don't have to go through uh, a priesthood. We don't have to go through, uh, a, go to a temple. We have direct access now. We have better, right? Better. That's what he's, that's what he's saying. And it's really important to see the, not to skip past this part of the verse where it says, wherefore God, because we have better heavenly things, wherefore, because of this, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Why is that important? Well, because they were being told that they were not worshiping God anymore and that they should be ashamed of themselves for leaving their faith and leaving their, uh, the rituals and all the things associated with, uh, temple worship, they should be ashamed. But here we see that God is not ashamed of them. So they, there's no reason for them to be ashamed because this is right. What they're doing in spite of the world being against them and telling them that they're not right. They just need to trust God and believe him and believe his word and he's not ashamed. He's not ashamed of them. It's very important to see God is not ashamed to be called their God. Not the God of the Hebrews, but the God of those who are in Christ, the Christians. Even though at this time, uh, when the church first started, it was all Hebrews. That's all it was. There was no Gentile believers. They were all Hebrew believers. So here we see this important transition time in history and here we see the comfort that god is not ashamed to be called their god and we have to rest in that we have to rest in that that's key to a life of faith is to understand that by trusting him we please him and it's very important um, and it says god is not ashamed to be called their god for he has prepared for them a city so, yes, they're alienated right now, these Hebrew believers, from their families, from the temple. A lot of them were cast out of the city altogether. But the writer is reminding them and reminding us that we have a city that's made by God. We have better, heavenly things, even the New Jerusalem. 
and it awaits us. It's there for us. God has prepared it for us because he has made us to be his people. And he's not ashamed to call us his people. Very important. So it's, it's, if we look carefully here, uh, we'll see that the thing that uh, separates people from God is sin. Right? Sin and shame are what separate people from God. This sin uh, it separates us. But faith here, unbelief and sin separates us from God. But faith here connects us to him. And that's why he's not ashamed uh, to be called our God. Because when we walk in faith, we are connected to him through God the Holy Spirit. And it's a healthy relationship. It's a nurturing, strengthening relationship. Whereas sin, when sin is in our lives, it separates us from that. And we regress. And we don't want to regress. We want to move forward. We want to press forward, like Paul says, uh, to the high calling that he's given us. And we want to enjoy that connection and then walk with him. Um, why would we want to spend any time separated from him and his love and his fellowship? Why? When sin comes into our lives or you're tempted, think about that. Think, hey, I don't, whatever this is, it's not better than my relationship with the Lord Jesus. It's not better than the blessings that I have in him. It's not better than the faith sight that I have to embrace his promises. I don't want to lose that. So whatever it is, you just keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus. And resist. It says that if we resist, uh, Satan will flee. So it's important for us to to resist and to walk by faith. The faith based on something. Based on who? The Lord Jesus and his word, his truth, his love, his connection to us, the fellowship we have with him. All of these things come to us when we walk by faith. So his love is seen and can only be seen with the light of our eyes of faith. So don't let anything keep you from this very clear view of the Lord Jesus. Don't let anything at all. I say that to you, I say that to me. Uh, we want to be able to see him clearly with these faith eyes that he's given us. We're, we need to uh, look to him, gazing upon his perfections. That's what we were taught earlier in Hebrews, that we were to gaze upon him. You know, not just look, but to gaze. That's a deep, deep look into who he is and what he's done and all of his perfections. Uh, enjoy the all the things that the word reveals about it. Because as we study the word, we get to see a clearer picture of who he is and his person and who he is to us. And, you know, we get to see more of him. It's very important. So that's why we study the word. That's why we study his word. Uh, we need to see him in every aspect of our life of faith. You know, as we walk in faith, we're going to see more and more of him in our life. And one day, you know, we're going to find that we're able to fully embrace him. Not just with the faith that we've been given, but we're going to actually be able to embrace him. Um, in the account of Stephen being stoned 
It says that Stephen was being stoned. He looked up and he saw the Lord Jesus. Jesus was literally waiting for Stephen to transition from his physical body to his spiritual body uh, with an expectation. Jesus was standing there like, you know, we're told that he sits upon his throne because everything is done. This is the only thing I believe that will get him to stand up, to leave his throne. And that is when one of his is coming. And look at the picture that that is, you know, that he is so looking forward to being with us for eternity that he was waiting for Stephen. And Stephen saw him. And I think this is how he greets all of us. You know, I think that's how he's going to greet all of us. And that's what we have. So since we know this is coming, let's try to see him and have that same expectation from us to him to walk in faith. And as we walk in faith, we draw closer to him and we draw closer to being who he wants us to be complete in Christ. And then there's nothing to keep us from being with him forever. So it's important for us to um, understand that a walk of faith has a ministry to others. It has a ministry to us. And it's important for our growth and maturity that we walk by faith. And we understand what that walk of faith is and how it works. And I'm hopeful that through the, these lessons that we're getting a better understanding and that it's causing you to draw closer to the Lord Jesus and that you're as excited as I am that we're going to be able to embrace him and he's going to embrace us and he's going to confess us to the Father. We should be confessing him to others as we live our life. And I promise you, or he promises you better than that, that if we're if we're faithful over a few things uh, this way he's going to say to us well done thy good and faithful servant that's all we have to do is live a life of faith um, by his grace we can do that and he and i pray that he works that into each of us that we look to him for it and that we all rejoice in him together having lived this life of faith Let's close. Father, we need you so much to be able to accomplish these things. We know that you will accomplish them in us, but there's a responsibility that we have in our own sanctification uh, as we progress. And Father, I pray that we would be mindful of this, that we would rest in the comfort and the joy of being close to you and that it would be motivation for us to continue to walk in faith in spite of the world around us, that we would just fix our gaze upon you. And that way we won't be distracted by the world and all the flashy things that try to distract us, um, that we would find our satisfaction in you. We pray, Father, you would accomplish that in all your people and that it would be to your glory and to your honor forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.